0: Live. Fragments of silicon now available in new virtual flavor. Same great taste, half the calories, and also as long as you can imagine it.
1: Welcome to another installment of Fragment to Silicon. I'm your host, Adam, and joining me in the um, virtual studio are my very uh, man mates
0: uh, over. I think. Time to rob some Englishmen and take all their booze and then something about <laughs> Prince John. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If And if you subscribe to Ivanhoe, go find yourself. <laughs> <laughs> And petty fan. Are you keeping up with the Commodore? The Commodore is keeping up with you.
1: Ah, I see someone watched that commercial recently. (laughs) I watched that commercial a few years ago and I still haven't gotten that jingle out of my head. It's a very effective jingle. Anyway, um... Is
0: it a jingle or is it a threat? Both.
1: Yeah, it, it really comes across as bold.
0: Like... Anyway, You'll fucking doubt if one comes to the fortune. Yeah, because the Commodore just got assigned to a new one of the new nuclear subs, and not that
1: Commodore. I know. So then both. Anyway, so uh, on to the news. Uh, let's see, um, Teddy, San, why don't you go? You seem to have the uh, news this week. Also,
0: you never know, I I know when you disappear again. <laughs> Actually, this week has been kind of good, in all things considered. Huh. I've ordered a new um, portal of battery for my phone. Mm-hmm. So, hooray, no more dead battery at Walmart. <laughs> is that a booster? Um, kind of. My mom keeps suggesting the booster for my phone, but I have no idea what that is. It's Mostly because like I haven't looked into like, it, but... It's eh. one of those, like, extra-capacity batteries. Kind of now what it is is it's basically like plugging your phone into the wall, but instead you're plugging it into another battery pack and it charges off of that. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, I started a savings account to hopefully save some money to get a new graphics card because mine's getting a little old. <laughs> um, have to look into that soon. Yeah. Final Fantasy XIV is not kind to graphics cards. No, not. The lower end one. I believe it. Uh, Anything um, else? We found a local Asian market here in town and I got a whole bunch of snacks from there. Surprisingly, not, not much is actually bad for you. <laughs> Weird how the Asians work. Define bad for you. Uh most of it had like seaweed and stuff in it. So it's actually somewhat healthy. Hmm. And there was also mochi and stuff involved with <laughs> my weakness. Just remember choose I don't think I've ever had that. A couple of years ago. Hmm. It's pretty
1: good.
0: But yeah. Green tea, Brian. I think I'm done.
1: All right. uh G- say uh, you go.
0: Um, Well, I am having to take care of the house a bit for the weekend because my parents are going down to celebrate Easter with my grandfather, I guess. So I should have plenty of time to try to catch up on some of the video games I'm missing. Uh, meanwhile, I've been spending quite a bit of time trying to write up characters for the Pathfinder game to fight, because it's hard to, as you go up in levels, it's harder and harder to uh, make monsters of appropriate difficulty level, especially by giving them actual class levels with complicated features, but I guess I'm the one who chose to have those things in the game to start with, so I have no one to blame but myself. Other than that, not a whole heck of a lot going on lately.
1: Alright, uh shifting over
0: to Ogre. Uh, we're creeping ever so closely to finishing off Ocarina of Time. God, that went by faster than I expected though. Granted, close to around this time we were doing we were starting up Zenover, so yeah. I don't think games have ever felt like they've lasted that long since then.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you've been working on uh of Time for, what, three months now?
0: It should be about right, shouldn't it?
1: Thereabouts, maybe three
0: yeah.
1: now. I think you got started in November.
0: Uh, I think, yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, obviously we've been done sooner, but we'll do that three-game thing, so. So it goes. I mean, you, eh, whatever works. Oh, I mean, really it looks fine not. for us and everything. Uh, apparently, poor Naka was feeling bad the Monday, though everything worked out a lot better. I was, I was worried he finally caught something I got. Because, you know, I guess... Still had a fair trade at some point. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get me sick with Con Plague one time, and i bear a grudge against you for a thousand years. Um, let's see anything else I ordered a new mouse because this one's finally starting to go out it's been like the one of the crappiest poorly made mice I've ever gotten how what much brand does, is it from uh, Microsoft thing uh, I think I had one of those ones I, I, like, I picked it up the same day we went to do the uh, so what you're saying is bargain bin Well, it wasn't a bargain bin, but it was a cheap one I needed because I picked up the same day I got the webcam because that one time we did that recorded episode that nobody saw. (laughs) (laughs) That that was because the footage was choppy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Should be here either this week or next week, and uh, I'll I'll be be happy to have it because I have not had a good middle uh, the scroll wheel for months. Oh, man, I hate but, it when those go bad. This thing especially is, the... This especially thing is crap clicking. from the start, and the click went out, like, a few months ago, where it's like, it still works, but it's just one of those, like, you have to finagle it right, and I guess you have to do a blood sacrifice and hope the lunar planets, the lunar bodies line up correctly and all that crap, and like, it had, yeah, I, rubber, I it had a little rubber right. rubber strip on it, a little rubber strip on it that, like, wore into, after a while, and I just peeled it off, and ugh, it's just, like, the bare-bones wheel here, and now the left-click is starting to go out, because it's, like, double-clicking when I just single-click, so. Oh, God. so it's, That's why I'm getting a new fucking mouse that hopefully will last a year or so. What now? The same one I think Petty has, like a Razer Taipan. Mm-hmm. Taipan, yeah. Taipan. And uh, I'm not familiar with
1: that. I usually go with Logitech. Yeah, I I usually use um, this Logitech here has lasted me a few years. I bought a spare one like last year just in case I haven't needed to pull it out yet. But I did need to replace. Uh, I need, did need to order some new equipment
0: this uh week. Yeah, but that was just because I I just kind of want a solid mouse that has a little gameplay potential to it. And since it's a Razer, they tend to do that. Mm. So I went with that one. And like I said, should be here in a bit. And uh, Earthbound comes out tomorrow for the new 3DS, which I already have some money set up for that one. And I'll be playing it, and I'll go online on Twitter and go like, this is Earthbound. It's pretty okay, and I'll be hung by Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's it for me. So uh, I'll uh, Max suicide like by shit. suicide by fandom. That's <laughs> not really that funny anymore. Yeah, I suppose. Not. Considering that can't happen. Uh, anyway. So, Adam's turn here. Since you mentioned something about equipment, well, I guess we funny. all have to know now.
1: Well, my Xbox 360 dongle died a couple of days ago. Like mm. dongle.
0: I hate that dongle is an actual equipment word.
1: It's like they call it the wireless receiver. Receiver. It's a dongle. Okay. You know, it's the it's the little device that allows me to use my Xbox
0: 360
1: wireless controller with my laptop.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. This is that's, why I use a wired controller. Well, that's the
1: thing. I also picked a wired controller just in case. The, uh, you know, I actually pulled out my spare dongle, and it was a third-party dongle, so that took a little driver finagling to work. But I got to do it. But I ordered a new dongle just in case this one dies on me. Now, like, mm. and Xbox 360 dongles have gotten uh, have gotten a bit more expensive in recent years. I've
0: noticed. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like, I don't think they're making them anymore.
1: As, that's very possible. But it was, like, getting a wired controller and getting a uh, Xbox 360 dongle was about the same price as getting an Xbox One controller. Maybe still a little less.
0: Mm, well, for me, um, my controller was like 20 bucks at GameStop, so...
1: Well, that's the thing. I, I saw, while I was picking up... The dongle from Amazon. I saw a good price on an Xbox 360 wired controller for about twenty five, uh, twenty eight dollars.
0: Mm.
1: You know,
0: you know, and that's a it's good, official. I'm guessing.
1: Yes, it's an official Xbox 360 wired controller. Yeah, uh, I've always just used the
0: wired one. Yeah,
1: it, well, it's it's for Xbox 360 and Windows. The point is. You know, getting that for about... Getting it for 28 bucks that's still a good deal. I mean, they're you Like, new Xbox 360 controllers, I think, are still about $40. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so... Mm-hmm. The point picked up is- my 360 controller for pretty cheap. Yeah. So I picked so- up, like, a PS2 controller for, like, 20 bucks at Walmart one time. It was hilarious because... Knockout, like to buy a new one, that was like forty bucks. I think GameStop was involved, so that should solve that dilemma.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Another news. Well, uh, I've been scrambling with the Fragments of Silicon schedule because, well, for various reasons, we had the uh, next two weeks worth of guests uh, cancel out you know, and delay the interviews till June. That's always
0: uh
1: well one of them was because of GDC, you uh, know, like that that was a bit of an interesting one because one person was like I I can do it now and the other one was like they couldn't. I uh, ultimately was decided to delay that so both could do it. Uh, and uh let's see. And next week's uh guest uh, I actually requested a delay because their game
0: got delayed. Ah, so we wouldn't have as much to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's like, there's not much on the, the game that they're making, uh, Necropolis. I, uh, so I've been working on that. I, I found a replacement for next week, uh, just today. Still working on next week. Also, we may have a dub. Do- no interview or two in the next couple weeks because, well, here's what happens. I have to scramble to rebuild the schedule, so I have to ask a lot of people very quickly, mm-hmm. and, so, and so, you know, the possibility – this has happened before. The possibility, you know, getting like three guests within two weeks has happened, and so, you know, you kind of have to stack the show. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there now – So you know the schedule is understood as it develops. Outside of that, uh, and that is about it for the news. So, now we shall roll along to the interview portion of the uh, broadcast. And this week, we are welcoming back to the program Josh of Crescent Moon Games. Hello. Hello. I
3: am here. I am back from the bedroom. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, he was having some trouble in the um, pre-show segment with his bedroom door.
3: <laughs> yeah. uh, it actually wasn't locked. It was just closed really tight. That's good to uh, hear. The handyman was over, and the handyman figured out that it was really tightly stuck. shut. Hmm. So he opened it for him. And that's the end of our story related to the door indeed uh
1: so well first of all uh you were at gdc recently how did that go um
3: actually i wasn't at gdc was getting ready for gdc um because we had some stuff launching the last week or actually submitting like that's why i didn't put gdc it was a hardcore getting it ready at the 11th hour thing um and we got it submitted but then it got rejected twice so now we're back in the hole or whatever you want to call it in that waiting for review thing mm-hmm. so the game is hammer bomb mm-hmm. and uh it's like a dungeon it's a dungeon college but i'm calling it like pac-man because you're in a maze and you can, it's sort of like I guess auto run is the right maybe not auto. You know how packing just kinda of go it's like that. But it's the first person that has to call it. so it's a little different. And um it's waiting for review. Hopefully we will release next week though. So. Indeed.
0: Uh and that sounds more interesting than the name evoked to me when Adam told me about the title.
3: Yeah, the name just came from that weapon that you use in the game.
0: Mm-hmm. So it
3: was going to be called Hammer Bomb Bow, but then we decided to shorten it to Hammer Bomb, and now it's just Hammer Bomb. But there are lots of other weapons, too. Um, just happened to be that with it.
0: And, uh, I kind of pictured be. it as more like a... Because uh, it's a mobile game, correct?
3: It is a mobile game,
0: yep. I pictured it as kind of like one of the jewel, well, not exactly like uh, jewel combining games, but like one a game where you're like Minesweeper or something.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, there's that other that I've been playing lately, the game I used to play, I feel like it was years ago, but I remember Dungeon Lot. Dun, remember that game? Sweeper, but it's a roguelike you're tapping on the little squares just like Minesweeper and it reveals you're yeah. an enemy. Yeah. I've been playing that a lot lately. Um when you said that I was thinking, it's a pretty good game. I just had a recent one too, a new one.
1: Have you ever uh, wanted to develop a match puzzle,
3: puzzler if you haven't done so in the past? I actually did start doing one. Mm-hmm. And um it was it was uh it was called Tiny Miner. And it was a mastery underground puzzler, but I kind of gave up on it after there was anything in the after, I was like, I don't know if I could... I don't even know if there's a boss. on it. It's like every other game you know, can game something. Right. And uh, I kind of gave up on that endeavor.
1: Mm. I'm not sure if that's unfortunate or fortunate, to be honest. <laughs> I mean i suppose that depends on what kind of play style you were going because you know I actually happen to like premium uh match three puzzlers, but I absolutely detest free to
3: play match three puzzlers well, I think there was a re- like there almost like a resurgence of match three after what was that game where there's a little guy on the top and you can kind of get weapons but then it's a match three at the bottom and it was kind of Oh, what the heck is it called? It had a weird
1: name. It was like all,
3: all letters or something. I
1: think I know what you're talking about, but it's not coming to mind.
3: Like. Well, they made the game after that called You Must Build a Boat, I think it was called. Uh huh. And um, anyway, anyway. their first really innovative match three that put the character at the top and they have to attack. Is that how Puzzle and Dragons work? I don't know. I haven't figured that but.
1: Puzzle & Dragons works if you've... Have you ever played Puzzle Quest? I
3: know, yeah, I know Puzzle Quest, yeah. But, uh,
1: um, Puzzle & Dragons is basically that. It's basically an RPG combined with, well, a match-three puzzle
3: game. Okay, so yeah, this is very similar. And it was like... It was pixel art, I think. I think that's call have to look that up. But anyway. Yeah, so there's a resurgence in that were sort of a combination of RPGs and things, and then it kind of died out
1: again. Things are uh, going waves. So, uh, getting back to Hammer Bomb, um, uh, PettyPan, did you have a chance to play a game? PettyPan? Out. Out, he dropped. He has to reboot his router. What? What? First one, I he's the one who actually played the the game, was supposed to. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, there are um, games we can talk about in the um, interim. In fact, uh, there you well, you being a mobile first company, you've released quite a few games since your last appearance on the show. Uh, let's see. Uh we'll start with Tiny Empire. What is this game?
3: This game is Tiny Empire is kind of like Angry Birds but uh, Medieval. And actually, now that I think about it, there's another game that's like Angry Birds, but Medieval. And it was... What was it called? Castle? Crashers.
1: Oh, Castle Storm.
3: Castle Storm? Is that what it was? Um, that's
1: it was, the one I'm thinking of. From Xenia's?
3: Like Precursor to Angry Birds. Oh.
1: Oh,
3: Castle Crashers. Castle Crashers, that was a I brawler. Castle something, but it, but it was right before, because I remember reading the comments on Touch Arcade when the Angry Birds came out, and they were saying, oh, this is just a copy of Castle, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, of course, Angry Birds got some stuff. And stuff. Yeah. Um, where were we going with that again?
1: Uh, that was ch- oh, Mobile Games. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay.
3: Tiny Empire. <laughs> yeah. Tiny Empire is just like a. It's almost like you have this overworld map,
2: uh-huh.
3: almost like a Candy Crush or a always too. But then it's a map. Then it's an Angry Bird style gameplay with various enemies that have different uh, attacks and things. So It's kind of kind of cool. It's got um it's got a really neat pixel art set, like a sixteen bit. Uh, and actually that developer right now is on a kind of game called Legend of the Skyfish, which is another Zelda-inspired game. Um, it's, based, it's like Zelda, but your whole thing is that you are—you have a fishing pole as a weapon. So you use it as a sure. sword and a grappling hook and various, you know, other mm-hmm. puzzle-solving things. And um, it's kind of early in development, but it has a neat hand-painted art style. Like, oh, interesting.
1: Sounds interesting. It's kind of. It's like. It's. I'm like. I'm not exactly sure how to describe that. It, well, it's it's like Zelda combined with Legend of the Fishing King.
3: Did you guys ever play that another mobile game called Big Gentite? It was a really cool art style, but we were actually shooting not. Sadly, it doesn't ring mm-hmm. a bell. It's a yeah, really, 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 game. But it has some of similar mechanics. But you guys should definitely play that game. Yeah. It's one of my all time favorites. And I I don't. Um,
1: I don't play any mobile games these days, mainly because, well, I have so many other games to play. Uh, but anyway, now that Petty Fan's back, did you get a chance to play a uh, hammer bomb?
0: Don't tell me you dropped again. <laughs>
3: this
0: is never going to happen. Betty, Fanny, you here? I think I'm here. Yeah. All right.
1: All right. Before you drop out again, did you get to play the Hammer Bomb?
0: Yes. Yes, I did. All right. So, what did you think of it? it not only did it um, remind me of Pac Man, but it also kind of reminded me of Ultima in many respects, just without the RPG elements. Uh, which I don't know if that's. No. What?
1: Uh, like one of the early Ultimas or like Ultima's? Yeah.
0: It was just more of the walk around the dungeon aspect of it. Hmm. Because all the monsters die in one hit, so you don't really have to plan accordingly. It's just whack em. So it's more just the movement. Reminds me of Ultima. And do you have any questions about the game? Um really the only question I have is do you guys have to sign up your own advertisers or is that all just handled through Google? I'm not really sure how the free to play thing works on Android. Oh. Oh, um,
3: that's right. I gave you an Android bill. so what you do is you choose a ad provider and in this case I chose bundle, D U N G E so B-U-N-D-L-E. And um, basically you just integrate their ad system and then whoever wants to advertise a new game when it launches is who advertises the game. So, hmm.
2: and,
3: and most people do, you know, mobile free-to-play games, they usually do video ads because those, are, those make the most money and the interstitials don't really make any money anymore. So we kind of have to choose that. And how we set it up, the hammer bomb is that you can earn coins by watching a video. I think is similar to Rocky Road. And then um, I think after seven minutes, you're forced to watch an ad. So it's like every... And then you can pay to remove ads and it becomes a premium game based at that point.
0: I don't remember being forced to watch an ad, but I usually died before seven minutes, so... <laughs> yeah, and it takes a while. I try to make it...
3: Almost like too fair to the player at first
0: because
3: I don't want people getting annoyed. When they yeah. Play it. So I was kind of not wanting people to see an ad if they're wanting to earn more coins or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll have to change it if people aren't watching any ads and we're not making money, but we'll have yeah. to see how it goes. So that's basically it for how the ads work.
0: Also, I'd like to thank you for be giving us the option turn-off head bob because, good lord, that makes me sick.
3: Oh, yeah. That's what, actually, that's why I put it in there because so it makes me sick. It makes me really <laughs> sick. I felt like, because I was playing it so much that I felt sick all day long. And I was like...
0: And even without... So have you had any performance issues with, like, lower end... Oh, go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, oh yeah. Well,
3: anyway, I... <clears throat> you know, getting doing stuff, like turn that off. So even without that on, just the, the weapon still moves up and down.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I think that part also makes me sick. So I kind of get half sick anyway. It's even head off. But mm-hmm. as far as lower end devices, what device do you have?
0: I have an LG G4, but I know Ogre has an Samsung Stardust.
3: I'm not familiar with a Stardust. Well,
0: I think it's a budget phone. I, I basically
3: test on an S3, S4, S5, S6, So really basically,
0: if test. you have a phone in somewhere one of those camps, you're pretty much good. Yeah, yeah, and it
3: still runs even on the S3. It Probably won't run that well on the S2. I haven't actually tried it. Don't have one, but credit tests on as low well as possible. And the problem with this game is that it does have a lot of poly, like not looking like it does because of the voxels, it's, like, a lot of polygons.
0: Yeah, that's so. why I is like, I don't think this would run on a lower end device very well. <laughs>
3: yeah, it, it's funny because you look at Minecraft and it was almost similar, but then, you know, the voxel games have so many more polys because of, they're just smaller blocks, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
3: so, in this game, it, it does have a lot just, like, you know, not steering like it does. But, You know, we sacrificed these things for, like, shadows. We had to do fake blobby shadows. And then in the outdoor scenes, i fake corner shadows with these little planes that have a color on them. Because when I try to do real-time shadows, you know, it really slows it down by half. So you kind of lose all your old devices to that.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: And I was like, well, I don't want to have to figure out, you know, the top. Ten devices that I can turn the shadows on and then screw that up. So yeah. this decided to
0: fake it. Yeah,
3: I mean that's all. Anyway, so.
0: And I mean honestly, if you wouldn't have told me, I wouldn't have noticed. It blended that well.
3: I think. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was tricky to figure out how to do that. I had to angle the light a certain way and kind of make a weird shape of a geometric object object that looks like a shadow. It wasn't really shadow, and um, it kind of went halfway the same, But
0: it sort of worked. So I'm glad that you know that You didn't know this. So, yeah. My really last question is: have You been having any issues with um, Android 6.0? Because I know some game makers have been. Um. Yes. Actually, I have. I get emails a lot about that. And
3: the funny thing is, I'm not really. I'm sad to say I'm not really an Android guy. I'm, I've always had an iPhone for as long as I can remember. I just haven't been using Android because uh, I really games, I test on it and I don't own, I don't, you know, keep one in my pocket. So, mm. um, where was I going that again?
0: Um, issues with Android 6.0. Oh yeah. Android 6.0. So,
3: I get a lot of emails from people saying this is on Android 6, and I'm like, well, I don't even know how to install it. I have no idea how to install it. Honestly. I've been trying to figure that out. It's just some weird, like, it could be some kind of seance or something on Android 6 to get on here, because I really think I've not figured that
0: out. Yeah, like, it's been mostly running fine on mine, except if I lock the screen while playing the game, I just get a black screen and have to restart the phone.
3: Is it, when you load Android 6.0, is it something that you download from?
0: Your phone like, has to have it, like okay. my G4 updated to it. And I think some of the newer Samsung ones should as well, depending on what carrier they're on.
3: Okay. Maybe it's because I don't have any carriers. All my phones are like test phones, so they don't have a carrier. Yeah, it's
0: mean, just an ordinary OS upgrade, I think. but um I guess it's- new or in beta or something if you we can talk afterwards like over Skype or something I can see if I can help fix you out because I usually work on Android phones so I can help at least get one of your devices on 6.0 that'd
3: be cool because people ask that a lot like every and I always say well one of the people ask me how the heck I'm done with questions for the game
1: Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll ask a question here. How, is there any difference between the uh, Android version and the iOS version?
3: Uh, No. No, there isn't. It's going to be the same pretty much, but we haven't decided when we're actually launching the Android version. Mm-hmm. Um, we know if it gets approved that the iOS version will be out this week and it actually will be out on Apple TV as well. Um it plays really well on Apple TV. I think it actually is my favorite way to play because it's, you hear the music and it's on the big screen and it plays really well with the remote. Uh,
0: now, so, will the Android version get controller support or will it just be touch only?
3: Just, um, I think it's possible. We actually have... I'm not sure if the version you have has it or not, but also the D-pad, you want to play it that way. If you go in the settings in the past five times and you can all play other stuff. A little D-pad will come up and you can play with, like, an on-screen D-pad. So you may be able to add color support um, later on, depending on. I mean, I think the game personally plays with just swiping. Um, but, you know, we'll see what people say about it. I and mean, then kind of stick from there. And
1: is Bomb going to be free-to-play on iOS as well?
3: It'll be free-to-play on iOS. And Android, and then on the Apple TV page, it's like, it's $1.99, and obviously add to remove and then a couple other changes to it, if you get a certain number of lives after you die. Mm. So There's a couple of little things, but I just figured a game like this where it's so pick up and play, it makes more sense to be free to play. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll have to kind of see what the reaction is, but so far pretty good. Mm. From people.
1: Right, uh, and let's see. Well, you've got a um, plenty of other games here. Like um, <laughs> I think your, well, at least your website li- lists your latest game is a game called Sparkway.
3: Yeah, so well, that's sort of a. It's almost like an endless. Another free to play game. It's almost like an like you're drawing an endless line, but you're trying to stay on top of these text. Um, so that are falling away from underneath you. Mm-hmm. And you're also trying to avoid obstacles and and get power ups along the way. It has a really unique style. It's, some people were saying it reminded them of Super Hexagon, just probably because the head. But other than that, it's fairly unique, I think, for the gameplay. Um, it's it's you know very. I think the selling point comes the that game. It's very it's than a very stylish look. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great, so you can download it, try it. It has ads. Um, it's, it, as far as complexity, it's not very complex. It just says, you know, you're just trying to stay alive as long as you can before these hex fall out from under you. And if you're off the hex stone for a certain time, your health bar will go down and then you'll explode. You, feel you, you know, don't make it back onto that. Time, time um i think i have a trailer for that up on my website it's been a while i didn't need to update my website <laughs> uh, i'm like
1: i don't i'm on the page now and i don't see a trailer for it so
2: that means i failed <laughs> uh, and
1: it's like well it's like it sounds like a a really good mobile experience like you know i found that usually the simpler um, games are best played on mobile, you know. It's like, and that's that's one reason why endless runners took off in the first place. You now it's right. easier to do than your traditional platformers, you know, By
3: and large, right? And I, I think you know, I think you're right, and, and it's basically people that don't play. A lot of people that don't play hardcore games pick up their phone for a second and play a game,
2: mm.
3: and it doesn't have to be a deep experience, but. You know, a lot of the games that I've released have been, I guess, more more deep than the typical mobile game.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I've started to do a few that I was less, you know, I guess, more casual. But, you know, I've done all fairly large mobile RPGs over the years. And uh, those are always the best selling, but they take forever to make. So, yeah. you know, you get to kind of balance things.
1: Yeah. Well, what was the
3: last RPG you made? We actually had, and actually it's a good good, uh, transition because we had Errolon Forge and Flame, which is the follow-up to Errolon Sword and Shadow um, that released originally in 2010, but the second one was just a couple months ago. It's a big open-world RPG, sort of. I guess I don't want to say Skyrim, but you know, it's sort of Elder Scrolls-like, but then the way the uh, talent system was, you know
0: whatever the skill
3: tree you have, I think it's more similar in some ways to World of Warcraft. So we released a sequel to it, and tonight we're actually releasing an update that has new content. So if anyone's interested, I'm actually putting it on sale right now for $2.99 as we see. Mm. I'm going into my developer account. All right. <laughs>
0: he's doing it and, in real time you heard <laughs> he it here right first now. guys it's on sale <laughs> because he just reminded me what to do it Yeet. and <laughs> so, what, yeah
3: and
1: what's in the new content update
3: the new content is a large new dungeon <clears throat> a new paladin class mm-hmm. it's pretty similar to what we did the first one we also added an in-app shop which we also did with the first one where you can buy two or a few items in there and there may be some, some little boosts and things, nothing that really alters the game. Stuff we threw in at the, you know after the game's released. Really. So if you're into those Elder Scrolls types of games on mobile, which is kind of funny to say, but you have done a bunch of those. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, that's probably for the best because I, 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 even if it were possible, I wouldn't recommend playing something like Elder Scrolls on mobile. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. I mean, it's just beyond complicated for most. But <clears throat> you know, we. I think our experience is a little bit more simplified. We don't have like a zillion options, a million buttons to press on, and things like that. We just
2: mm-hmm. Try to keep it
3: playable. All right. But uh, yeah, we've done that one, and we did Raven Sword, which was another open world RPG that we did. We're working on another one of those as well, and. uh, so those are sort of the bread and butter of Test games. Mm.
1: Indeed. And uh, are you still making games for the Steam
3: platform? Um, We are. I mean, you know, a lot of it is <clears throat> crossover from mobile. Right. I mean, even the gear the guys, I wasn't going to really talk about it coming to Wii U, but originally it started off as a mobile game, and then... It became a kickstarter and then it was a steam game and then it was console it was on xbox one <clears throat> as the game sold i think it was last attempt hmm. so we've had a lot of talk over with the mobile and going that's, that's you know i brought up the fact that a lot of our mobile games are a little more deep than the typical so we've been able to bring those over to steam and <clears throat> worked out pretty well because you, develop one game and you can put it on multiple platforms, well, whereas some some Steam games, I don't think you could really bring them. Hmm. Well,
1: do you work in Unity?
3: Yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, a lot of the developers and with sometimes build their own engines and things like that. Yeah. When I work on a game personally, always, it's because that's what I learned first.
1: Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you're working
3: in mobile, Unity is a really good engine to use. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it, I don't think it's, you know, the most robust engine by any standard, but for mobile, I think it works really well. It works on almost all that. I mean, well, not, uh, well uh, yeah,
1: well, Unity isn't as robust as, say, UE4, but, you know, the... The trade-off is Unity is supported by so many more platforms
3: than other engines. Right, and I think Unreal tried to do a lot with mobile in the beginning, Mm -hmm. with Infinity Blade and things like that, but then they kind of lost ground. They lost all the ground, in fact. I haven't really seen any Unreal games on mobile.
1: I think they refocused towards higher-end stuff, like um, uh, VR comes to mind.
3: Yeah. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. And I wonder why that is. I mean, I feel like a lot of the big, you know, a lot of the companies that got big on mobile did so well. So maybe Infinity Blade kind of, like, was on a decline. So.
1: It might be that mobile devices can't handle UE4.
2: Yeah, that's cool. uh,
1: I'm like, I think they can, but, you know, uh, certainly not, you know, the UE4 you'd get on the Xbox One,
0: PlayStation
3: 4, and the PC. And I think, from what I remember, they had such a large theme on that game. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was, like, a lot later where they didn't really make money. They were just kind of more into the technology of it versus, you know, trying to make a profit.
1: As far as Infinity Blade goes, maybe that happened down the line, but I know the first one was apparently, the, like, the most profitable Game that they ever released. So, hmm. I, oh, Land- I that Unreal ever released? No, uh, no, Infinity Blade.
3: Oh, you mean the developer of Infinity? Yeah.
1: No, it's like so. I don't know what happened with that series. I don't know what happened with that engine. No. But there are still you know, fixed losses. Um, Unity's gain.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I, I do like the Unity himself a lot. It's just, you can't really get the photorealism of Unreal that I've seen. I mean, some of the things I've seen in Unreal just are, you know, mind blowing. Oh,
1: yes. Uh, I've seen some amazing stuff uh, done in UE4, but I'm like, and that sounds like the kind of aim you'd have on mobile anyway.
3: Right. Like, there's really no need for that I mean, with such a small screen, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, actually, not, now that you think about it, I mean, with all the VR devices, you've got small screens right in the middle of your face. So, you know, we're going to kind of have to do that unless you just headed to a PC. But it seems like the Gear VR is pretty prevalent now. I have, I think, one or two test ones. I had an old Oculus, the first test kit.
1: Mm-hmm. I couldn't say how uh, prevalent VR is or is going to get because th- there's so many factors
0: and, you know, it's like... Yeah. You could spend an entire episode devoted to talking about VR.
1: Well, we have in the past. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you have. Yeah, I'm like... We've talked, it, 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 granted, it was a few years ago, but I'm like, right now, uh, you know, VR is about... You know, like the high-end stuff is about to be launched, but I'm like... I'm pretty sure that that's going to remain a uh, niche for a while because, well, you know, you're know, you talking about $600 and 800 headsets on top of very powerful hardware.
0: You know, yeah, like a $1,500 computer or something like that.
1: Even like the PlayStation VR is being... Like, like there's the rumors that there's going to be a PlayStation 4.5 because it'll handle VR better. You know? So it, 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 it's like... I'm not saying that VR isn't going to be part of the future, but to suggest it's going to be something like smartphones or the Wii remotes, it's too limited by, like, price factors right now to become the next big
0: thing. And by people not wanting stuff strapped to their face factors. Well, that's a a different thing entirely, but, like, uh,
1: you know... it's good that there's enthusiasm for it. Uh, I'm interested in some of the stuff that's uh, going to be done in VR. You know, um, not all of it because you know we're, we're going to be going through VR's uh, you know awkward phase, and nothing. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of well, you know, what what can we do with VR and all that stuff. And I don't think they have a Wii Sports, yeah. lined up. Maybe they do, and I haven't heard of it. I mean, maybe the Valve's lab. Um, what are you, What are your thoughts on you know, like mobile VR and the like?
2: Me as in Java?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, are you planning on developing anything for the
3: Gear VR? Um, you know, I I actually thought about developing
2: Hammerbone
3: for VR because. You could, you could play it with the Gear VR flight pass.
2: Yeah, it's the it's only problem
3: is you working, right? easily easily bomb at like the first time you fight. <laughs> because you switch when you turn a corridor it's like you know, it's just it's, I mean, it's even tough for me sometimes when I'm on a phone although I'm a lot more useless. To it, but, but if I had head bob on, you know, it intensified the bomb so, you know, actually, I talked to Oculus about, because I was showing them some other, but for some reason not working very well. And they're like, oh, yeah, that would make a cool VR game. I was thinking it possibly was it? I mean, what is there really any point to make a, at this point, is there any reason to make a VR game? Is there any, are there people buying VR games yet? Or is it just, I don't even know how many devices are in circulation if there's enough people to buy a game.
0: Uh, I think right now it's just more to get something out there right
1: yeah like well v r is uh, hasn't even launched quite yet like i think mm-hmm. is the oculus one, i think the oculus is launching this month or next month uh, mm-hmm. at, the the real oculus the final yeah version? the final yeah, the retail the, version yeah it, it, that's getting uh, and the uh, HTC Vive vibe is pretty close as well. The PlayStation VR, that one's, that one's launching in the fall, but that one's probably got the most chance of actually getting mainstream acceptance. Uh-huh. Right,
3: because you don't need... You can use a PS4, and you're done, and it's plug-and-play. And
1: Right, and the, play, and the PlayStation 4 doesn't have to fight a format war, basically. I mean, you know, you've got the Oculus versus the HTC, and, you know, not every game is going to work with both. So, that's a thing.
0: God, remember that that was a thing back in the day?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. You know, (laughs) it's like, we call them system wars. (laughs) Now, uh, uh, what else do you have in development that you can speak about?
3: Hello? Hello. Sorry, I had to grab water. (laughs) Okay. I'm back.
1: So, uh, well, what else do you have in development that you can talk
3: about? Uh, okay, let's see. Talk about Skyfish fishing. Fishing as a weapon, and then talk about Darkblade. As the already came out, we have a new Raven Sword that we're developing that has a different art style than the traditional Elder Scrolls look. Um, this time, we're going for a more minimalist. <clears throat> My headphones are on the wrong ears. Okay. Um minimal more minimalist look for it. Um what we have going on? What was there other games? That's probably why I, also why I encourage is because I didn't have as many games to show from last year. Usually I have to bring five five or six games to show. Mm. And um this time I basically only had the hammer bomb ready. It's could demo so I wasn't gonna go you know, through all of it, unless, you know, you never know what will happen. But. So the, the main games, you know, coming out are Skyfish and the New Raven Sword. And I have a couple, actually, we have a couple games coming out for Androids. They're more casual. There's one called Dual Road, which is like a match 3, but you're matching pieces of land as your character walks through an environment. It's got Amiga-style graphics, is what I think compare it to.
2: Hmm.
3: I'm not sure why. It's not like, it doesn't have that 16-bit look. I don't, what was the media? Was media 16-bit or what was it?
1: media was 16-bit. It was the world's look, first 16-bit computer.
3: It looks sort of different than what I can think of. When I think of 16-bit, I always think of Super Nintendo. And it doesn't look Super Nintendo-ish. It looks more, I guess, computer, computer-y. Hmm. So anyway, there's Dual Road coming out, and then there's another game that's another casual game called Elven the Water Sphere. It's it's sort of like an endless popping game that looks like a 16, but I guess I'm doing a lot of 16-bit fucking games. I don't know why exactly, but it just happened to be coming. Mm -hmm. Developers send me these games that you know must put them right out. you're you're hopping over various 16-bit looking screen, It almost looks like Super Mario Land, and then you know different options have different ways that you can hop on them or slide them down or whatever. It's a nice looking game. It's coming out on Android first actually, um, and I think that's all that we have coming out at the moment. Oh wait, no, there's one more. There's Operation Dracula, which Came out on iOS already, but now it's coming to Android. And I don't know if you guys are did you guys play Operation Dracula?
0: I have not. Okay. of Okay, well
3: that that game is actually one to check out when it comes to Android because it got really great reviews on iOS. I think it got a gold award on Pocket Gamer and five television. on It was. It's a basically a bullet hell sort of shoot 'em up and it's very over the top, like it reminds me of Street Fighter. It reminds me of Street Fighter too if it were a shoot 'em up. Like it has that silly Japanese like over the top quality to it. And it's, and it's very uh lots of explosions and that sixteen bit style again. But it's it's a fun one for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, do you have anything
3: coming console size? Well, as I, I, think I briefly mentioned, we do have the Deer God coming out for Wii U. But mm-hmm. that's being supported by Mobot Studios, who did Paper Monster 3 and another one called Blockybot.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: Kickstarter for the Deer God. And we may have talked about this on the last though. I think, I think we did. Yeah. When we did the Kickstarter, that was one of the consoles we chose to try to, you know, release for. And that was one of our goals that we hit. So we actually, I was working with Mobot and they they were finishing out Paper Monster's Recut, and it was doing really well. And I said, it would be kind of nice if you guys ported it because I know nothing about the Wii U.
2: (laughs) So they kind of just
3: took it on and they've, I think they've, it's already packed. it's already been through review once and now they're putting it through review again. So it is pretty soon it will be coming out. So all the Kickstarter backers mm-hmm. will be able to get their codes pretty soon. Um, I don't know, and this is why I didn't bring it up earlier is I don't really know what the special piece that it has on the Wii U as far as like you know on the second screen or right. doing anything there. But yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see. I, I know on Xbox. It actually looked really good because of the effect we were able to put in. um, Versus, uh, it was slightly different than the PC for some reason. And just Xbox on its own set of course, when you're developing a game. But yeah, console development is, I would say, hmm, maybe 10 times harder than anything else. Because there's, you know, they're much more strict about every little bug and, 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 you know, they look in every corner of that game to make sure they, they find all the problems. Which is good in some ways. It's, I guess it's better for the players. It's much harder for the developer to go through every exact that amount of detail. We get these Excel sheets back from Microsoft that were like, are you kidding me? I don't even know. I don't know how we're going to do this. But we did make it through called certification on the Microsoft. We didn't make it through and there were still bugs after that, you know. It's like to never find everything. But So it
1: sounds like Mobot has uh
3: got everything well in hand with the U versus Dear God. Yeah, and they've <coughs> excuse me. They've done two other games that did really well on, on the Wii U and I believe they were actually featured several times. Paper Monster's reset featured a bunch of times. I don't know if you guys see you guys know that game, it's like a
2: so, yeah,
3: yeah, it's like a simplified platformer that has a paper craft style. It's a fun, more of a kid's game, but it's definitely a fun, fun style. And, you know, Mark, it's sort of a be for Mario or something. Like hmm. And
1: would you know if it's getting near release? And
3: uh, oh dear God, yeah. Um, I think it's close. I don't know. Because I haven't done Nintendo development before, I don't know if once you're approved, you're just immediately available or if they set a release date out, you know.
1: I think they have a release queue, but I'm not 100%
3: certain. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they would. They probably pick a date and they probably have it in, you know, just waiting to be released beforehand and they do all the press stuff and, and then they release it. When they're ready to do it, they probably have to line up all sorts of different things. Whereas, you know, a lot of times on mobile or on Steam, you can just kind of do these Yeah, i like,
1: like I said, I'm not 100% sure how it works. I think it's a lot looser now than it was in, say, the We Wear days. Like, but I'd have to talk to somebody who is more well versed on the on release of the um, e shop.
3: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know it's become a lot more open, and I think even the 3DS, you can use Unity if that's such <coughs> debt for it now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Just, but, on, just recently, I kind of think. Yeah, um,
1: Unity is supported on the new 3DS only, so if you were to bring a game to that platform, it would be only
0: for the new hardware.
3: Right, and, that, and I wonder if that's because of the power of the hardware or okay. if that's some other reason.
0: Probably the new 3DS has significantly better processor and stuff. It is, a- and they're starting to get games that like you can tell.
1: Yeah, it is absolutely because of the power. Uh, like um, the the 3DS, the regular 3DS just could not handle Unity. It could, the, the, the regular 3DS uh, couldn't handle a lot of things, mm-hmm. like in comparison to what the new 3DS. I know Xenoblade Chronicles is like the only major game. That's uh, exclusive to the system, but th- there are a lo- there are a number of games
0: that, that and the uh, Super Nintendo Virtual Console games are.
1: I said major game, not uh, no. I... There are some other games that are only for the new 3DS, and you know as you as you see more Unity games on that, that those are going to be new 3DS. The Super NES games are new 3DS only.
3: Um, you now, and way Chronicles. I didn't I didn't realize that that wasn't on the game also. it's only for the new 3DS.
1: Yes, that is only for the new 3DS. In fact, that's why they built the new 3DS, because otherwise the, the game wouldn't have been able to be done on the 3DS. Ah. No.
0: But, like, but, Smash, Smash Brothers loads way faster on the new 3DS. Hyrule Warriors Legends, from all the things I've seen, playing it on the new 3DS is, like... on the old 3DS is like playing the original Hyrule Warriors in multiplayer mode meaning that there are some lag issues and there is frequently not enough monsters spawning for you to get good combos going.
1: Hyrule Warriors might as well have been for the new 3DS with just how much of a performance boost it got. Like Ocarina of Time got a performance boost and it's got that second stick where you can move the camera. Uh, There's a lot of games that were improved with the new 3DS. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm like, now, one system I haven't heard from you yet is the PlayStation uh, family.
3: Have you ever looked into development for that? We, um, that's a good question. We, I did look at it, <clears throat> but um think for the dear God, no, so, for whatever reason, Sony never really cared.
2: Yeah.
3: So it made me not really want to care. I was just like, you know, with that with Microsoft they were so interested with that game. And I showed Sony and they were like, Mm, nah. Mm, mm. So I said, Well, you're not interested? I'm not really interested, so kind of left it that way. And I do know a couple people that have uh um, <coughs> for and I don't know how well they did but I think they seemed yeah. happy with it.
1: Well, if they usually develop for the PlayStation
3: Vita, it's because they're developing for the PlayStation 4. It was, uh, you know, the, the Orange Pixel, you know those guys? Um, who? Orange Pixel. They did Gun and. and...
1: Uh, not familiar with them.
3: Hmm. No.
1: But we certainly have... Yeah, though we have had a... a a number of developers who on this show who have made games for the PlayStation 4 and were at least trying to get their games on the PlayStation Vita yeah. because Sony really pushes for cross play.
3: Ah, yeah, yeah. well, we're not, they haven't been pushing for the Crescent Moon cross play, so I kind of haven't been that interested. But yeah. you know, you never know, we'll see. Maybe there's a game that will interest them someday, we'll see.
1: Indeed. Um, uh, I wouldn't know personally, but who knows what the future holds. Anyway, well, that'll about do it for this time. Um, uh, Josh, once again, I'd like to thank you for coming out here and uh, talking about the games.
3: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: Uh, and hopefully we'll have you on a- again in the future.
2: Certainly. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, so, uh, fan, play us to the next segment.
0: Oh, uh, uh, I see. I was at. Did it cut out? Yeah. It, <laughs> well, it, yes, but there was like a 30 second break in the middle. Yeah.
1: Fun. Yeah. Sorry, uh, our uh, petty fan here is <laughs> still having internet problems, apparently.
0: Yeah. Now it's, Let me get a new router, but I don't have 180 bucks for a good one.
1: Apparently not. That's distressing. Anyway, so welcome to the topic of discussion. This week we're talking about the Commodore 64, because, you know, we just decided to talk about an old computer. Okay, it so was on the last time, so... Yeah. It's been a while since we've had a system uh, showcase here, mainly because we've, we've talked about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, where to start on the Commodore 64?
0: I like, uh, hear it's really neato. They come with free Doritos. That was terrible. You know it. I know. But it's kind of hard when you go straight off of Commodore 64. Well, so... Let's see. (laughs) Terrible references to Weird Al songs aside.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, the Commodore 64, I gotta admit, this isn't really my wheelhouse, because I didn't grow up with this computer. I don't, you know, it's
0: like... I, I think... Is slight, this, this system's computer is slightly before all of our times, at least in America.
1: Well, that's okay, because, well, the, the Commodore 64 was one of the defining computers of the 80s, even here in America. Like, even in the late 80s, the Commodore 64 was still fairly popular. In, you know, maybe not compared... You know, it's nowhere near where it was in Europe, but it was still a notable system. Now, uh, Like, they were still making a lot of software for it up until its uh, demise in the early 90s. So it's not so much that it came out in 1982. It's, you know, I just didn't, our household didn't have a Commodore 64. We had an IBM PC, you know, of some sort. I I, I just remember a lot of DOS problems. And so that makes it hard for me to talk about the Commodore 64 on a personal level. I know people who grew up on the Commodore 64. That was their computer of choice. Um, but you know, all, what I can relay is going to be a lot more uh, clinical and such than if I had played the, uh, the Commodore 64 in my youth or really ever. No, but uh, let's see. I suppose the question is, why was the Commodore sixty four so popular back in the day? And it was cheap. Well, it wasn't just cheap because there were other cheap computers of the day, like one that comes up on um, on our discussions a fair amount is the TRS eighty from Radio Shad. A bit before the Commodore 64 that came out in 1979, but I'm like, it was... A it
0: was bu- cheap but functional.
1: Barely. It was a barely functioning computer. Like The nickname for the TRS-80 was the Trash 80.
0: Oh, no, I meant the Commodore 64. Sorry. Yeah, yeah
1: The Commodore 64 was kind of a happy miracle because it was something... It, now, there were previous Commodore computers that are uh, kind of, uh, that are mostly beyond the scope of this discussion, you know, there was the Commodore PET and there's the Commodore VIC-20. Uh, the VIC-20 especially served as the basis for the Commodore 64, but the Commodore 64 was really birthed a little bit before uh, CES 1982 um, because Commodore was promising a new computer and they needed to build one really quickly. So they they gathered up a whole bunch of off-the-shelf parts, put it together, and called it a new computer. And that was one of the secrets to success. Uh, Commod- you know, Commodore had, ba- you know, the Commodore 64 has been like an TV model T.
0: Now, produced a- out of off-the-shelf parts at a price that is. Uh, competitive and available to most people and also works well enough to get most people what they need out of it.
1: Right. Because, yeah, because Dominar 64 is, believe it or not, the best-selling computer of all time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Better than the iMac? Yes. Better than than anything. Its estimates range from 10 million to, I've seen as high as 25 million. Yeah, you know, it it has a lot to do with how computers are counted. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, yeah. Like, there's not just one iMac. There are like ten billion different kinds of iMacs. Right. Or like if you're just going solely by you know Windows use using PCs, then yeah, it's smoke it. But like actual model of P PCs, the Commodore wins. Right. right,
1: because there wasn't that many models of the Commodore. There were there were more than one. Like there was the Commodore one twenty eight which see the name Commodore 64 comes from um how much memory it had and yeah
0: the Commodore, the, origin, the origin of the 64 you mean
1: yeah the Commodore 64 meant it had 64 kilobytes of ram in it or okay, like th- th- that's the space we're talking about here uh, this, you, like, you, will,
0: you will recognize this as like one one millionth of the amount of RAM that is considered standard today,
1: right? Uh, you know, it's like well, time that was pretty small for a um, computer, like the you know the IBM like the IBM PCs at the time were like minimum five five uh, hundred and twelve K, and you know up to like a megabyte of memory with really high end stuff. You know, but that, that was kind of the point. You know, these are the low-end, so you can ch- sell them cheaply. Now, if, uh, in fact, the Commodore 64 could uh, could be cool in that regard. Now, because, you know, the IBM PC was meant for high-end business and just kind of shuffled along into video games.
0: Hence, industrial business machines.
1: Right. Um, but, the you know, like... And the Commodore 64... You know, use games to its advantage, like you know a lot of computers actually did this back in the day, because you know computers were sold on the notion of you know doing your taxes, or for your kids, they're going to learn how to read, or they can do their schoolwork on it. But it's also, hey kids, guess what? We have these cartridge slots in it that you can mm-hmm. easily plug in a game,
0: and you don't tell your parents.
1: Seriously, there were, It wasn't for the Commodore 64, but there's a Commodore VIC 20 app on uh, YouTube starring William Shatner that that highlights the shit.
0: Now, and the cartridge slot was hidden behind a little door on some of yeah. them.
1: And yeah, it's like, and that was another feature of early uh, computers, early microcomputers. They had a, they had a few ways of dealing with input that you, you know you don't that you didn't even see like um a a few years down the line like you know they had the, the you know they had the not the three and a quarter inch floppies that the, those are more the late nine uh, late eighties
0: the five uh, and a whatever floppies yeah the five
1: and a half uh floppies they had the cassettes like oh god the cassettes
0: yeah. Which are dirt cheap and very stable in terms of store, or pretty stable in terms of storing memory, at the cost of having a read time of several minutes. Yeah. Well, the stable actually depends because it depends what the stuff is printed on. Yeah, because that and, stuff can like, deteriorate. Well, yeah, and and what and what like temperature and stuff you keep it in too. Yeah,
1: well, stable for the purposes of of. Uh, of a short you know, of storage like you know nobody's nobody was expecting Commodore 64 cassette games to last 25 years uh, uh, but like the mo- like the best way to deal with games of you know like 1982 especially arcade games was on cartridge you now it's like your more PC-like games came on the discs, but, you know, shit like, say, Frogger or Asteroids, um, Dig Dug, what have you, came on cartridges, you
0: know,
1: because that, that,
0: uh, Well, it helps that cartridges can have a little bit of extra sh- to help make the game run better.
1: Okay, so I've just been handed a note here. Uh, apparently, MSP has been, can- been cancelled for tonight. So, we got time, guys. Yeah. Yay, time. <laughs> to seat, little ones. We're going to teach you about the Commodore. Yeah. Well, as best as we can. Yeah. Like I said, if some of my friends uh, from, uh, you know, one of my other circles were here, they could tell you all about the fucking Commodore 64. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, the, the, they could tell you, you know, they could tell you the games uh, and such, but I'm like, I don't have like like a good friend of mine played Pools of Radiance on the Commodore 64, and that was one of his favorite games. Uh, it's one of my old school favorite games, but I played that on the IBM PC. That, that's kind of that's kind of another thing with the um, early computers.
0: You know, games
1: didn't really remain exclusive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd, they'd all be ported to one or the other other system with varying degrees of
2: right. fidelity
0: and quality.
1: Yeah. And the Commodore uh, certainly held its own in that regard. Uh, in fact, probably the most notable is sound. For my money, the Commodore 64 had the best sound of the early
0: computers. That's the tip, yo. Yeah.
1: Well, well considering... And this is an actual thing...
0: Yeah, it it had actual sound hardware and software in it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it had the special it it had the the special SID chip, which gave it a very distinctive sound, to the point where there is a genre of music out there called SIDcore.
0: Of course, there is.
1: <laughs> well, it, and you can and you know it it is of this thing because it's got that. It's hard to describe if you haven't heard it, but that whooshing sound that's associated with Chip music uh,
0: is like... whoosh isn't... I, I know what you mean, but yeah. whoosh isn't the word I'd use, I don't think. Uh, it's like, uh, well, it's kind of hard to
1: describe because it's a completely artificial sound. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really sound like anything that is... Normal in the world.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit buzzy and metallic, sort of. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah,
1: still, there were people out there like the Frolin Brothers, um, fans of Naka. um, Like uh, Dan Frolin's the one who scored Solstice. Mm. Yeah, and and they did a whole bunch of like Commodore sixty four games. Like, my personal favorite is the um, Commodore 64 version of Bionic Commando. Like, I highly recommend checking out some of the music there. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, another thing that the Commodore 64 and, indeed, its brother, the Amiga, spawned was the demo scene. Mm. So, who knows what the demo scene is?
0: Like, actual computer game demos?
1: Sort of. It, it's related to building of demos.
0: Mm.
1: I cannot believe I'm the only one who knows what this is.
0: I was never that much of an early PC gamer. I, it rings a bell, but I'm sorry. I'm a little bit out of it today, too. Well, honestly, with this crowd, do you really shocked at this point?
1: <laughs> Not really. Uh, okay,
0: so the demo scene. All
1: right, um... It's about getting the most out of a machine.
0: Now, ah, okay. Yeah. So, making up programs and projects that use everything to their, to the to its fullest?
1: Yes. Like, literally pushing the, pushing a computer to its limits. <laughs> like, through the art of programming. Yeah. And, it, develop you know it develops in it, in the European um, areas out of uh, software cracking mm. and it evolved off... it wasn't just the commodore 64 but it developed over a cross-section of computers, but it's most well associated with the Commodore 64 and Amiga because those were really popular computers over there. You know, like... Right. uh, You know, and... It's... You know, it's like... Demo seems a a thing we have to talk about on its own, but... Mm -hmm. It's about combining technology... And skill to bring out the best. Like if you ever wonder why certain European games look uh, stunning, um, it's because of really good programming. Like Mm -hmm. it come up on our show with um, uh, with some of our European interviews.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, uh, like um, I think it came up in our interview with House Mark and, and Abstraction Games. Like you know. When anyone talks about old-school demo-sceners, that's mm. who they're talking about. But, jeez, like I said, there's a lot to talk about the Commodore 64, but it wasn't without its faults. Um, one of them was the controller, the default controller of the Commodore 64, <laughs> what you thought uh, the this atari was pretty much one of those
0: was this was pretty much one of those j- uh digital joystick and one button dealies wasn't it
1: yeah it, it was pretty close to the um atari twenty six hundred uh joystick only nowhere is good
0: yeah, the quality and, wasn't really there on that yeah, but, I know it's still it still sounds better than weird dial in a phone number, phone keypad.
1: Well, yeah, it was better than those,
0: <laughs>
1: but the problem is, as time went on, that uh, you know, it was a joystick for the early '80s. You know, back when arcade games ruled, ruled the scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now,
1: um not so good for more elaborate games that that we saw over the course of the 1980s. You know, it's like
0: yeah, definitely started having more buttons. Yeah.
1: Now the is, Kind of mitigated by the fact that it has the, uh, I believe, the D 9 plugs. If that's what they call them. It's the <clears> Atari <throat> 2600 plugs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, are, um, these are plugs that were used in a lot of um, hardware.
0: Now, Didn't like one of the, either the Genesis or the Master System, use that? Genesis.
1: In fact, you can use a Genesis controller. On your um, Commodore,
0: you can use. I think it. programs have to support it, though.
1: Well, you can use it, but you'll only be restric- You'll still only have the one button. Because mm. remember, these games are programmed. Yeah,
0: you'll you'll just have six buttons that are all one button.
1: Yeah, it, it's like unless you know the game was programmed with like a Commodore uh, multi-button controller, which I'm pretty sure exists you know, in mind, it, yeah, it's only going to be the one-button deal. Now, it, Like I said, that, that, that's why it, it can be mitigated somewhat, because, you know, the, the Genesis controller is a lot better than the Commodore 64 uh, stick. Now, but, uh, and the Commodore 64 was limited in its... Um, graphic capabilities. Now, what's definitely started hurting it as the 80s went along, it's why like like the Ultimate series. Like they continued the Ultimate series way beyond um what should have been. Like I think you were still getting like Ultimate 6 on the on the system because apparently Ultima did really well on the Commodore 64. But you know, it wasn't, you know, it was starting to look long in the tooth.
0: Not often you hear the phrase, long in the tooth. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, But, yeah, and there's other aspects, like um, it got a GUI called GEMS, and it was really instrumental in uh, getting... Um, local area connections going. But, and that, but that
0: GUI is for the non-game programs, mostly like for word yeah. processing on the Commodore 64 or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's... These are things that are kind of beyond the scope of game. Now.
0: Yeah. where the, A GUI stands for Graphic User Interface. So it's basically like a desktop. Yeah. Um, do you know by any offhand... Uh, I mean, I guess there must be some games that use the keyboard, but was that, like, a, usually a... Because the, the actual computer yeah. was one unit with, like, the cartridge slot and a keyboard and a disk drive, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure you could use... And then it connected to a monitor that was separate?
1: Um, yes.
0: Or, or you could connect it to a separate monitor? Yes, I believe so. Hmm.
1: Well, it's like, it wasn't that hard. Uh, Like, computers, like, it had not a lot of parts by design. Yeah. Well, and another reason why the Commodore 64 was so successful was because it was subject to the aggressive um, marketing of Jack Tramiel Mm -hmm. and the somewhat shady business practices he entailed. Like, um, he was alleged to have... Uh, short-chain certain businesses so he could buy them up on the cheap and then um, have those so he could control the entire means of production from stem to stern. This is what uh, this is what I've seen. I do not know how true those are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I do know he was very aggressive in his marketing and this was seen even well before the Commodore 64. Um It all goes back to um, something I don't think we've really mentioned on the show, but that's because it's one of those things that's important to video gaming, but not really about video gaming, and that is the 1970s Calculator Wars. I will say if you want to know more about that, go check out the Lazy Game Reviews um, episode about it
0: or maybe we'll end up talking about it sometime, but it wasn't really about calculators you could run games on, so it's not exactly on our wheelhouse.
1: No, we will not be talking about that because it's not about games. You know, it is something that affected games, but I'm like, it was about, well, calculators. And, you know, programmable games on calculators came a lot later than this. And uh, but, for the purposes of this retrospective, Commodore was one of the grand winners of that war because th- because of the same business practices, using very cheap materials, but still in, but still retaining enough quality um, to make it attractive to buyers and to a much bigger market than what um you know what the higher end calculators were aiming for. Yeah. You know, if you you can call it the Honda Accord model if you want mm-hmm. a modern comparison. You know, Basically it's something that straddles the lines between mass market value and actual quality. You know, and you know it was all very successful. In fact, too successful. So, and now we talk about why the Commodore 64 died. No. The, uh, it died because, well, it was too successful.
0: It, Not that di- as- it died for the reason it was born.
1: Yeah. That was because, well, the parts that we using were becoming more and more expensive. And the reason why they were becoming more and more expensive was because they were getting more and more outdated and less used. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the stuff that was um, not top of the line, but kind of middle of the road in the uh, 80s uh, was probably obsolete by the mid-90s and then oh. got stopped being made by 2000, probably.
1: More th- sooner than that. Like, yeah, Like, the Commodore 64 literally died because it got too expensive to create. And maintain you know and uh, and unfortunately that was at a time when Commodore was doing pretty badly Uh, but that time like the death of Commodore is not just like related to the Commodore 64 finally going by the wayside you know honestly they probably should have done with Apple did with the Apple uh, with the Apple 2 line and Drive it into the ground so that the Macintosh could serve as the proper successor. Like, you know, they didn't do that probably because the Amiga didn't take off like it should have, at least over here. Of course, a big reason for that is because Jack Tramiel was no longer at Commodore. He was actually, you know, he was kicked out by his own board of directors. We
0: were, oh, the, is, the, is the Amiga also a Commodore computer? Yes. It was picked, oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was picked up. It wasn't developed by Commodore, but it was picked up by Commodore. And, okay. Yeah. We really do need to do an episode on Jack Tramiel because he is one of the most colorful characters to ever be in video games. Now, and there was just his, like his whole revenge scheme against Commodore using Atari. But, like you said, that's a topic for another show. Now, so, yeah, the Commodore didn't really have a successor, a neat successor to pin their hopes on. Uh, and that led to, like, Commodore banking on the CD32, a obscure system you've never heard of for a very good reason. We never got it. like Like, we literally, like, The reason why Commodore died was because there was an injunction over a certain computer part in the CD32 thing that happened at, like, the last minute. Uh, The CD32 hit Canada, but it it never hit here, and that's what ultimately uh, sent Commodore to its grave. And even though Commodore is dead, it certainly leaves behind a very big legacy because there are so many companies like EA For example, you know, came out of Commodore and Interplay, and you know, just so on and so forth. And you know, right. So, final thoughts on the Commodore sixty four.
0: Um, it was a system that played games and got people into computers. I never really experienced it, but um, it does sound. I mean, it's obviously very important because of the games that be, that originated on it and continued on it and obviously it was if I lived in Europe I probably would know more about it than I do now because it, in Europe that's kind of where they went instead of going to the NES immediately
1: right mm-hmm. especially if we're talking about con- continental Europe mm-hmm. yeah, like when you talk like when you talk about uh, the UK like the UK had the Commodore sixty four, but it also had things like the BBC Micro, the ZX Spectrum, and so on and so forth. I know there were uh, there are other similar local variants on that on that in like France, Germany, but you know, like nothing spread quite like the Commodore sixty four in Europe. Mm. Right. Anyway, so that will do it for this week. Um, once again, I want to thank Josh for coming out and uh, doing an interview with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so especially
0: but, on pretty short notice.
1: No, he was planned. He was always, Oh, okay. It's the next. You
0: were talking about the next one,
1: was? Yeah, the next two shows.
0: Okay, sorry, I misunderstood that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough.
1: And as mentioned, there is no MSP tonight because well, Mac Mac has to do his tax.
0: And taxes are more important than podcasts. Well, yeah, especially since the deadline's coming up here in a uh, few weeks. And if you don't want to do your taxes, well, you can just have an audition with the tax monster. Bye, everybody. I'll see you April 16th. I should probably actually get on that, too, some soon. Yeah. A pain. Luckily, luckily, I still live with a couple of people who are pretty good at doing that kind of thing, so... Mm.
1: My text is already taken care of, let's just say. Uh-huh.
0: Like Flanders, you wake up at January 1st and... <laughs> um, well, how do you... You can't necessarily do it January 1st if you don't have your... Uh, uh, well, at that head. point, he was working for himself, so he could probably get his... Ah, uh, yeah. If, if you're working for uh, your fairs, and you have your act together, you could get yours. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, so ne- so this Sunday, we have two reviews mm-hmm. and two episodes to do. We're doing. Uh, first up is a review of Nellie of The Foul Fleet, uh, an adventure game that got released um, just yesterday, I believe. And um, we're also doing Way of the Samurai 3. I think you can see why I split this up into two episodes,
0: like last time.
1: They're
0: both stories.
1: Yeah, it's like, beyond that, they are very, very, uh, like, they're almost like the diametric opposite of each other.
0: See, what they don't tell you is that actually in the third act of the game, Nelly Kudalat just ends up in feudal Japan for no reason.
1: Uh, It's not that, it's not that surreal of a game. (laughs) But yeah, so, and next week we'll be having Rod Moy, I might be uh, mispronouncing this, m-o-y-e of pixel maverick games uh he just released a indie platformer called candlelight uh you know it's kind of you know, you play as a candle i got i haven't looked too deeply into this game because well like i said i've been kind of rushing things and still you know working on getting codes for that so I'll probably delay the Moon Hunters review in favor of that, should we get them. Um, And yeah, still working on two weeks from now. That's currently a blank slate, but something will probably arise in the next few days. More on that on Sunday. So until then,
0: I wish you good gaming.